our favourite sayings is, you don't know what you don't know. And in this episode, we're sharing with you some of the surprising things our students have learned that helped them to get where they wanted to be. Welcome to your first home buyer guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today we're talking about some of the real standout lessons learnt by some of our Home Buyer Academy students, many of whom have now successfully purchased their first home. So here's a brief summary before we get into a bit of the nitty gritty. Uh, Mike learnt to stop fighting the things he couldn't control and focus on those he could. James recovered from doing things in the wrong order and realised just how close he'd come to buying the wrong property, not once but twice. Mm. Sheldon learnt that not all property is the same and much of it won't set you up financially for the long term. And Eva loved the property hunt until it dawned on her that actually she's not ready to buy. (laughs) Maria overcame analysis paralysis and was actually able to gain the confidence to take action And then lastly, Paul discovered that he was looking in completely the wrong suburb because he was focusing on all the wrong things. But before we get into that, Megan is sitting in front of this very unusual looking house. Uh, Once again, if you're not watching the video, you just have to go with my description of it. What's this one? (laughs) This is part of a Netflix series about amazing coastal homes. And and it's really polarising. So some people find it fascinating and from an engineering perspective, I think it's phenomenal that it sits into the side of the the um, landscape like it does. But um, it, it has been quite polarising, as you can imagine, and the keyboard warriors has been, have been ripping it to shreds. So it's an interesting one. <laughs> well, it looks a little bit like they tried to make it look organic, a little bit like sort of a cluster of barnacles. <laughs> So I'm sort of guessing that's one way of describing it. (laughs) Yeah, clams, barnacle, shellfish. Um, So you can imagine the roof is looking very barnacle-like. Waves in there, um, indicating movement. It's actually this property down at Cronulla that I. It's been on the market twice in recent years, and honestly, it would make me want to move back to the Shire. Right? It's. I can't remember the name. I think it's called the Shell House. It was designed, built in the 70s. And years and years and years, I used to uh, live in Cronulla and I used to do the Esplanade Walk. It's right down on South 
Cronulla, and it is like this big, giant, white shell. Right. And it's fabulous. Like I, I have to find a picture of that for you for this. Let's do um, it. <laughs> that's, yeah. So this, the Barnacle House is my less, I prefer the Shell House to the Barnacle House, but this is an interesting house. Anyway. Stay let's, tuned. Let's get into what our students have been learning. <laughs> yeah. And look, our members have shared some really surprising lessons they've learned through their Home Bar Academy membership and, and how those lessons have helped them achieve their dreams a lot sooner than they thought or even made them sit back and, and think and recalibrate, which, of course, is a very, very important step in the whole process. But do you remember when um, Mike talked about how much he resented the market? Yes. Like he was, and, 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 and you, you know, you, you categorise this very well. He, he was waging a one-man war against the property market as prices were actually rising. And when he found a you know, really intelligent um, man, uh, highly educated, um, you know, had been employed for a long time. And a very um, patient and, wife too, just And a just very quietly. patient wife <laughs> <laughs> who could laugh it off sometimes, but I think she got to the point where she needed some external help. When they finally reached the summit, he and his wife, Rhiannon, said, the best advice you gave me was who to listen to. My parents were telling us to offer an additional $30,000 to secure the property, yet we stuck to our research. We let FOMO go, avoided the FOMO, and offered a strong but not ridiculous offer. Now, hopefully, that meant at the time they were writing this that they could sign the contracts, and they did. They had yes. signed the contracts. They purchased the property, and they are living the life that they had planned for themselves. I'm so excited for them and so proud of him for putting that to the side. I know. And look, we actually, we always do this. We talk to previous episodes and we've interviewed these guys on the podcast. So, oh God, in the show notes, we'll put the the episode number. Okay. So you can go and listen to the entire story. But I think the big, big, big lesson here was that he, while he was fighting the market and, and fighting things that he couldn't control, well, prices were rising mm. and he was getting further and further away from really what they wanted which yeah. was the home for them and their small children. So, mm. you know, I think that that learning about that, what, what an amazing lesson. And I know that he did not expect to learn that when he came into Home Bar Academy. <laughs> it's a big piece of self-reflection, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I love when we got that huge essay from James when he basically <laughs> documented, and we've done an episode on this one too, actually, a whole episode on this. Um, he documented um, all the things that he learned through his home buyer journey, both before, you know, joining your first home buyer guide and and then after, obviously, through all the learning uh, from doing the course, right? And I love it when he sort of was talking about getting the order wrong and he said, in quote, I almost bought three places with not much idea on how I was meant to do it until I got your system down. I may have kept it 421834 repeat for too long. Now, I actually, in the, in the intro here, I said actually two, but you're right. He had narrowly missed buying three. Now, in that whole essay that he sent to us, he sort of stepped through all the properties that he nearly bought and thank God he didn't buy any of them. So you could argue that waiting in a rising market is the wrong thing to do. However, buying the wrong property is, it doesn't matter what the market's doing, is the wrong thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And he would have done that because he had, he was doing everything out of order. It was just an amazing, I think the lesson for him was just to slow down and he had great instincts too, I should say. So mm. what the learning the process allowed him to do was to actually understand then why his, his red flags and his alarm were going off the whole time. 
Yeah, which was great that it was going off. And as you say, the instincts were good, but you can't just rely on your instincts when it comes to property. You have to systemise the process that you're going through to make sure you don't miss any steps in the due diligence. And and I think that has never been so important as it is. You now it's currently uh, start of March 2022. Um, Brisbane's just been through a significant flood event. Um, lots of houses have been lost. And, and had people not done that step in their due diligence to check flood maps and flood reports for overland flow as well as rising water... Um, and, and a lot of people didn't do that. And even renters, renters should be checking these sorts of things um, and getting the right insurance. If you don't get those steps right in the process, you miss something that you should have done, then you can end up with something that's going to cost you an awful lot down the track. This is a great topic for another another episode, I think, about, you know, because like, for instance, in blood, it's blood. Bushfire blood, it's like blood spills, I guess, but bushfire oh. zones, I think in flood and bushfire, I'm getting it together. <laughs> um, in bushfire zones, after some catastrophic fires, um, there's some areas that won't be able to be rebuilt. Mm. And, and in New Zealand, for instance, with the earthquakes in Christchurch, there's areas there that can't be re- resettled. Mm. So I wonder if that will actually happen with some of these flood areas. But anyway, as I said, another topic for another podcast. It certainly is. Well, addressing common false assumptions is something that our, our members actually feed back to us that is a real eye-opener for them. And, mm. and, and Sheldon told us that... Um, they found that, uh, and I'll quote him, we found that we developed a different outlook on property, learning that not all property is the same and doing your homework will help you choose property with your head as well as your heart. And I think that's really important because both of those aspects um, of human nature are really involved. You can't have one without the other because if you just make if you make investment decisions that are just based on numbers, then you'll miss the human aspects of the property that people do or don't like. And that can affect its rentability and it's also its long-term growth potential. So I, I think that's an important one is to sometimes we hear things from, from people, we read things in magazines, we see things online, um, and they're things that people have assumed or heard um, and even create some biases against or for things. And come, sometimes you've got to throw those out the window. And, mm. and start from scratch and just get, and particularly when it comes to different areas. I, I know people who haven't lived in, say, Brisbane for 20 years and you talk to them about a suburb that has gentrified and and really is, you know, coming along quite strongly. And and they're, they're, it's, it's so hard for them to get their head around how different it could be now to what they knew it was 20 years ago. Mm. Um, in places like Footscray and Melbourne and about... Uh, what was the one in um, Sydney that you were telling me has gentrified quite a lot? But if oh, you Marrickville is a classic. Marrickville, well, Newcastle, Mayfield hasn't Mayfield been Mayfield. gentrified? But it used to be like the worst I lived place. in Mayfield in 1993 <laughs> when I uh, was at uni, and it was the most disgusting. I lasted six months. It was the most disgusting place. But now, quite sought after, and mm. and, and offers an awful lot for people. So changed significantly. Uh, so I think getting rid of some of those um, false, false assumptions. assumptions or old biases, just so valuable. And the idea that you should only make investment decisions with your head and mm. focusing on the numbers. And I think that that's a great one that they they very early on went, ah, oh, light bulb went off for them, how important. Emotions are important. Don't, And I'm not talking FOMO is emotion, like it's mm. really that's fear is an emotion. There's, there's the right emotions to harness with property. There's those to avoid. And as Megan was saying, those emotions that or those properties that develop an emotional response in buyers and tenants 
you know, they're important things to understand. If you try to make all your decisions devoid of emotion, you will make mistakes because particularly with spruikers, property spruikers love to come at you with numbers and data that supposedly supports these really sensible. It's often the cost of a coffee, isn't it? That's the most common one that I think people, just for the cost of a cup of coffee, you could own (laughs) this investment property. In a growth corridor, all these sort of words that make it sound like you're making. Yeah, what's growing, Veronica? What's growing in that corridor? The The number of properties. The developer's (laughs) bank account. The um the yeah <laughs> so so you know the idea that you do have to engage your head and your heart and I love that 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 was uh you know and they live true and they've done that in the yeah, they have. purchase which is great yeah, absolutely now yeah. this was a really interesting outcome because you know when this one coming but no where most hindsight. people <laughs> want to start working with us and start learning the things that we have um Eva didn't end up doing the whole your first home buyer um, course, the, the your first home buyer guide. She did the where to buy original where to buy workshop. She was one of our original beta workshop participants. And after going through that and following also some of the the pointers that we gave her, she actually came back and went. You know, she said, "I feel that buying a property might." finally not be the best investing option for me at this stage of my life. Mm. Now I have to educate myself about investing in funds and shares, which is a brand new world for me and not as fun as looking for property. I will try to do it right. So one day I'll come back and with a better budget so we could choose a decent property. So Mm. what she really valued that sort of, I guess, the honest approach that we have, because let's face it, a lot of other buyers, agents and people in this space, they just they they play on the idea that do the deal. Yeah, the acquisition is the end goal, end game. Yeah. It isn't. And she realized that she couldn't afford to buy a really good asset. So she was actually not going to be able to achieve what she wanted to achieve long term if she did buy one by now. So she wasn't ready. And I just think that that is so powerful. And I'm so proud of her. I am too. I'm so happy for her. Um that she was able to make that decision before she made the wrong decision about a property because property is not liquid. It's not something that you can liquidate very quickly. There are a lot of costs going in. There are a lot of costs going out. So it's not something that you can trade in very, um, very freely and easily. So sometimes that self-reflection up front before you, you know, it's fun. Some people love looking at property. Look, mm. buy. Window shop. I love this one. Fixing analysis paralysis. Maria was a fantastic sponge of inf- you know for information she asked lots of questions was really interested in the background behind things and how things happen and so forth and and she said she uh, I, I had already done so much research but you helped me tip over the edge and gave me the confidence I needed to know that it seemed what I was doing was right and you answered my questions which helped me feel better about what I was doing um, and for some people, you can be a bit overconfident when it comes to property. We certainly see that a lot, don't we? People with too much confidence and and too much I know what I'm doing. Maria, on the other hand, um, was very good at gathering information and as, you know bringing that into her thought processes. But then she didn't have the structure to kind of move forward and say, I feel confident when I see a property that I think meets my needs, but I've done all the work that I need to to actually move forward make a decision and actually commit to that. And that was the big thing, that analysis paralysis, that she just kept going through this revolving circle, this loop of, of um, oh, but what if, oh, I can't, oh, <laughs> I... 
Have I and, got enough information? Have I done enough? Have I checked enough? You know, I missed anything. Could there be anything better? I mean, that is such a hard one for people to wrap their heads around. Could there be something better if I wait? Um, and we always say to people, look, there'll always be another property, but um, will it be better? Well, it'll have its pros and cons as well, won't it? Mm, exactly right. Mm. They do. I think t- that I love the fact that she wanted to gather the information. She respected the information. Mm. She she saw that this was a big you know, such a big step buying any property, let alone your first property. And so she yeah. respected how important that is. And um, but at the same time, it's like, but how do I know I've done enough? And and that's where your first home buyer guide is so powerful because it does you can never do everything. But I tell you what it does do, it makes sure that if the gaps to your information are known and you're okay to deal with that, then that's Mm -hmm. a hell of a lot easier to jump off the abyss, into the abyss, um, than if you don't know what you don't know. And I think that that's, you know, we started this off, Megan started this off with her favourite saying, which is you don't know what you don't know. What we're trying to do is let you know what you don't know so that you can then say, okay, I'm happy with the bits I don't know now because Mm. I know what it is I don't know. You know what I mean? So it's sort of a bit of a paradox there, but that's a great outcome. And our sixth lesson from students, and there are so many more, actually, even as we're doing this, I'm thinking about Sharon, I'm thinking about, Mm. I'm just thinking about so many other of our students that, that also, um, Anthony, you know, there's just so many more that, that also had these great lessons, but these are just some of the, the more surprising ones. Um, Paul's uh, comment after doing the, where he did the where to buy workshop for investors. Um, or rent festers, right? He said, I learned a few things which I didn't already know, not the least of which was my preference towards a suburb that has a history rating of negative 20,000. Now, it's a slight exaggeration. <laughs> let's, let's just say a hipster rating isn't that important. No. <laughs> but what he was basically, he'd been using wrong metrics mm. to consider suburbs to buy in. And particularly when you're looking at as an investment or even if you're on the stepping stone strategy where, you know, because let's face it, most people's first home is not going to be their forever home, you know. So you have to be able to look at any property you're buying with an investor's eye because you really want it to go up in value. You want it to do well so that you can then use that to leverage off that or, or bounce your way up the ladder. Mm. Um, and if you don't buy in a good area or a solid area, which has got these foundations underpin, you know, ongoing capital growth, then you're going to basically white ant your entire strategy. You'll get stuck, right? Yeah, or so, go backwards. And, yeah. And that's, that's the thing that we really want to make sure people avoid is making those bad decisions that actually end up putting them in negative equity positions where they actually have to tip more money in just mm. to keep the loan alive. One of the things that you'll learn if you do the Where to Buy for Rent Festers uh, workshop, the tutorial that is, is that you will actually learn how to research areas and what is important. And that's the thing. If you're focusing on data and, you know, that's not important, like, like rental yields, for instance, it's misleading because what you need to look at is the data underlying that, you know, mm. what the demographics are, the the, the economy of an area, the, the amenity of an area, the evidence of gentrification in an area, this, the actual uh, socioeconomic score of an area. There's, there's mm. so many things that are really very, very, very important to look at that if you're looking at the wrong metrics, you can easily buy in an area that's, um, you know, just not going to perform the way That's that you it. really need it to perform. And, and and at the end of the day, an investment property is about performance. 
Um, and, and for most people, it should be about it, the capital growth performance. Now, we're sitting in a really purple patch at the moment, most of the way around Australia, actually. There, there are very few uh, property markets that haven't experienced an upswing during this COVID, post-COVID. Are we, we're not in post-COVID, are we? We're no, still COVID. post-lockdown. During this COVID um, <laughs> reign of activity and, and, and pushing up of prices as, as no one leaves the country um, so we're kind of swelling from within with, with demand. Uh, but that in and of itself isn't an indicator that an area is good because mm. this is one of the few occasions where all boats have risen with the tide. Um, it, that's not always the case because if there's a leaky boat, it ain't going to rise with the tide. Um, and that's that's what we find with some areas that haven't got those oh. fundamentals, that you're, you're using the wrong metrics. Um, if they are leaking, 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 uh, your your ability to, to to keep up, let alone yeah. keep ahead of um, a rising market or uh, comparative, you know, the opportunity cost of having not bought the right property is far greater um, when you don't get the metrics right at the start. We get left behind, you know, and, yeah. and one of the things that, um, you know, we talk about the ripple effect, for instance, and people like to think, oh, the ripple effect for property, you know, that's the next best suburb, the next yeah. suburb that's going to take off. And as, as is what often happens is that the last to the party, i.e. the last suburbs that start really, you know, experiencing this growth are often the first to come off the boil. Mm, so absolutely. when everything's going up in value, yes, everything goes up in value, but at different rates. And so the last in and the first out will go up in value a lot less than other areas and also might go for a much longer period of time before it sees any more growth. Yep. So, yep. you know, that's it's such an important thing. It's really hard to get your head around because it's just it's overwhelming the information mm. that is out there, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of self interest in the information that's out there on the property market. Let's face it. Mm. Um, you know, we're here. Of course, we've got a self interest. We want you to buy the course and join the membership. You know, we'd mm. love you to come on board and learn this stuff. But that's where it ends with us. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to flog any other agenda. You know, we or just any area. No, God, no. The big thing I think that we want to get across is doing this course isn't about getting into buying a specific location. It's about getting you to think through what is the right location for your particular goals, budget, time frame, um, but also through that process, making sure that you're thinking about things from the right point of view. Now, there's no use going into property if you're only in it for two years. Yeah. It's, not, it's not enough time. It I is know. a long, boring game. It, it, it is. It's not boring sort of, to, you know, after a few years when you've done well and you go, oh, actually, this is this feels good now. It, nothing replaces the work. You know, there's no mm. shortcut, no silver bullet. Every now and then somebody likes it, but it is luck it if is. they haven't yes. done the work. It's not a know. strategy. <laughs> anyway, we hope you enjoyed these six lessons from uh, six surprising lessons from our students. And if you want to explore what you know your first home buyer guide has, um, we've actually just very recently opened it up to basically a membership, which means that you can buy the course, and that means you get lifetime access to every single tutorial that we create. Mm-hmm. That means that when now, you past and future. Yeah. So that means you know, you literally lifetime, right? And then you also, if you if you do decide to do that, when you're at the pointy end of negotiations, when you actually need the help, more one-on-one help, you will have access to that support as well. So this is something very, very new that we have launched. Uh, you can jump on the website, Home Bar Academy, and look in the membership tab.
In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.